Welcome to Design You with Dr. Garrison Lakeham. I'm your host, Garrison. My guest today is founder and principal strategist at Delightful Communications, a Seattle-based modern marketing and digital PR agency. His mission is to help businesses and people be more discoverable, shareable, and memorable. The company applies branding strategies that focus on content marketing, social media, digital PR, and personal branding with a strong emphasis on people and not just pixels. He's been invited to speak about digital marketing, search engine marketing, social media, and personal branding at conferences and events around the world, and his words and wisdom have appeared in top publications, including the Financial Times, Fast Company, The Next Web, Forbes, GQ, Quartz, USA Today, PR Daily, and Entrepreneur.com. With his first book, Pioneers of Digital, and his follow-up, Introduction to Personal Branding, 10 Steps Toward a New Professional You, he's been getting rave reviews on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. His recent article, How to Craft a Personal Branding Statement that Endures has importance for job seekers and career reinventors alike. And here to talk about it is my guest, branding expert, Mel Carson. Welcome to Design You, Mel. Hello, Garrison. Thank you very much for having me on. Being a shy, retiring Englishman, your introduction <laughs> has me blushing. We've taken up half the podcast, haven't we? Half the, <laughs> half the uh, interview with that. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Mel, why is it vitally important for anyone serious about finding a career or reinventing themselves in 2018 to have a personal brand statement as part of a personal branding strategy? Uh, that's a great question. It, it, it really is part of that strategy, as you say, around personal branding, where what we're trying to do is have our words and wisdom more discoverable, shareable, and memorable. And so a personal branding statement really is a, a way of setting out your store uh, whether someone lands on your LinkedIn profile or you know you have some version of it at the top of your resume or your CV, uh, or as many people are doing right now, uh, creating their own websites under their names and using those as, as ways to be discoverable. A personal branding statement re really is a way of kind of opening up the shop window to your experience and what we encourage people to do is to really think deep about, you know, what is your professional mission? You know, what is it that you're about? What are you trying to do? Who is your audience? Uh, so who are you trying uh, to touch with your personal brand? In the case of uh, job seekers, it might be recruitment specialists in our in-house HR people, uh, so, so really thinking about what you put in that statement that's going to be saying all the right things and showcasing the right signposts for them. Uh, and then to really think about, you know, the value. I think that a lot of people seem to think that when they're selling themselves, they just need to kind of just talk about 
what they've done. You know, it's a big laundry list of jobs that they've had. But in this day and age, it's really important to be able to kind of dust off and uncover not just what you've done, but the steps that you took to do some of the the great things, the achievements that you've had, uh, but also demonstrate the value. And, you know, when you think of branding uh, for for a company, I don't know, like uh, Coca-Cola or Nike, it's all about the experience that you have. And so with your personal brand, it's about the experience that people have with you. What is the value that you bring to the table with your particular skill set, with your particular experience? And when you combine your mission, uh, your audience, and your value, that brings together a, a really nice kind of opening gambit, if you like, an opening story that can break the ice and, and let people know what you're about. So they know to pick up the phone and call you in for an interview or or, or email you for an informational. But the one big thing, and we might talk about this a little bit later on, is in that branding statement is to make sure that you leave out a lot of the buzzwords that, that people put in there. Because at the end of the day, your personal brand is about you standing out from everybody else. In the personal branding workshops that you facilitate, you take participants through a stepwise process for creating a personal branding statement. Would you walk listeners through those steps? Yeah, sure. The kind of workshops that we do, uh, you know, can be an hour and a half or anything up to a day. And so the first step that we would take, we call five in five in the more, in the kind of shorter workshops where people are a bit time poor. And, And that's where we literally give them five minutes to start writing down some of the signposts around their story really and so what we do is we encourage people to you know jot down you know what what is their educational experience you know obviously it would be kind of school or college and university but maybe some other things like um, you know extracurricular courses that people have been on maybe a a more hobby related that might be a, a bit of an icebreaker and something interesting to show that you have a life outside the professional world as well. The second thing is to really think about your work experience and not just the work, you know, the jobs that you've done or the companies that you've worked at, but really the the actual experiences, the the, the kind of experience and competencies that you've that you've worked towards honing and, and really knuckling down on. So your work experience, coupled with your educational experience, paint a good picture of of kind of the infrastructure of your career to date. And then we ask a very simple question, which is, you know, what do you love about what you do? There's a famous book, Strength Finders, and, and those kind of online courses and whatnot. And I, I'm a strong believer in people playing to their strengths. And so when you're setting out your stall, you know, to maybe get a new job or, you know, bounce up in your career, focusing on what you actually love to do and, and, and where you want to go and, and what you're good at is, is obviously hugely important, not just because you'll be able to demonstrate that well to a new uh, prospective employer, but because you're going to be good at it because, you know, you, you love to do it uh, and you're going to put your heart and soul into it rather than engaging in, in something that, that you know, you don't really feel like getting out of bed in the morning. Coupled with the what you love to do is, is actually admitting what you find hard about the work that you do. 
uh, I, I think that many people find it difficult to reflect on things that they're not good at. They tend to come to to interviews, as I've said, all ready to talk about what they're great at. Uh, I'd probably say seven times out of ten when I ask the question, what aren't you good at? People are stumped. Uh, they feel that it's kind of a trick question that that I'm asking, um, but it, it, it's really not. It's as part of that branding statement and as part of uh, honing your personal brand, being honest with yourself about what you find hard, areas and opportunities for growth and potentially just saying, you know what, I don't like numbers, I don't like accounting, I don't like Excel, I'm, I'm just, you know, my next job, I'm just going to not do any of that. And then thirdly, we try and get people to encourage to think about where they want to be in three years' time. You know, five-year plans are a bit far off right now, so, you know, given the changing face of work. So, you know, two to three years' time, you know, put a goal. And if, you know, it's all the science tells us that if you put a goal down there and uh, and, and try your darndest to, to reach it at least you know, you'll get somewhere along that path. You know, it's interesting. I often hear people, even the really, really good salespeople remark that I know what I'm good at, but when it comes to talking about myself or selling myself, I'm lost. Why does that happen? And what can folks do about it? I don't kind of have a scientific answer. It's just from, from what I've seen out there in, in, in the marketplace and the people that I've met. You know, I've met CEOs of huge companies doing, you know, multi-million dollar turnovers, but nobody knows who they are because they don't know how to articulate. As I've said, when it comes to that statement, they don't know how to articulate really their mission and their values. I meet more people who are kind of a, a little bit glass half empty that you know are a bit shy and retiring and you know have essentially spent all of their careers working for the company that they work for or the businesses that they work for or marketing the companies and the brands that they work for but they've never really spent a lot of time on themselves and you only have to look at LinkedIn to see how little time people spend talking about themselves or to articulate who they are what they've done and, and where they want to go. So, uh, you know, we encourage people who, you know, come to us who, who as, as you said, have great difficulty in selling themselves is kind of putting them through the process of thinking about, you know, their experience, but, but also coaching them to, to start writing down some of their successes and achievements. Really, you know, working, uh, writing down what they do well, how they should, you know, perhaps play to their strengths. And even coming up with kind of elevator pitches, I'll say to someone, so, you know, if I met you at a networking event, uh, what would you say? And, and they might say, I'm a personal branding consultant. But uh, what, what, what I, I mean, that's what I do. But what I do, instead of just saying, you know, I'm a CEO of a, of a communications agency or I'm a personal branding consultant, I have an elevator pitch where I say, I, I help people be more discoverable, shareable and memorable. And that immediately is a bit of a hook, which gets people to lean in and start thinking, you know, oh, this sounds interesting. Uh, and, and then that kind of opens you up to, to more questions. So I really encourage people to, to really understand that people do want and need their skills and their wisdom. There's somebody out there, whatever you do, that is after, after your skills, after your experience, after what you stand for. And so 
really thinking about you know that mission that audience and that value is 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 so important as and that whole process also of writing it down can really help solidify that kind of uh, elevator pitch or value proposition that you can start rehearsing not necessarily in the in, in the bathroom mirror but you know with friends and peers start writing it down start sending it to trusted colleagues or family members saying look i'm thinking of showing up to a a networking event and this is how i'm positioning myself to stand out a little bit more and to sell myself what do you think uh and and without that kind of feedback i think some people do tend to be a little lost uh, and it's hard coming out of your comfort zone if if you're not used to talking about yourself can be hard but you know put your best foot forward practice try try again and uh, you'll get better at it i promise one of the things that i'm taking away from what you're saying is that we tend to put labels or descriptors on ourselves and we forget to talk about the impact we make on others exactly that's a hugely important insight people are coming to you they don't necessarily want to know what you do i mean they're coming to you because you know you, you've said that you've got these skills or you've said that you've got this experience but at the end of the day they they want to know what is as you say what is the impact that you're going to have on the business how are you going to help grow the business or how are you going to help uh you know the students in the school learn quicker or learn better it, it's that kind of impact side of things that uh that's important. Part Sorry. of marketing and branding for businesses is analyzing the competition so businesses can differentiate themselves and demonstrate their unique value. How can career seekers apply that very same strategy and look at other applicants as their own competitors for the job they're applying to? Great question. You know, we encourage when we do individual one-to-one -one, uh, personal branding exercises with our clients, we do ask them, who's your competition? Who do you compete in your particular niche or your space? And they're like, huh, what? What, what do you mean, who do I compete with? I'm like, if someone searches for your skills uh, um, on LinkedIn or on Google or Bing or some search engine or social media channel, you're not showing up. So who is showing up? It's often something that people really haven't thought of, that they might be vying for people's time. Because certainly the Internet being the first point of entry a lot of the time in, in people searching for jobs or people searching for potential employees, that whole discoverability thing is really, really important. And because people only have a finite amount of time to um, you know, be online at any moment in time the idea is that, that you appear in all the right places for you know the particular keywords or whatever uh, and, and that you're kind of stealing the light from any competition so what we encourage people to do is to you know if if you're looking at a particular sector or a particular company is go and have a look at some of the current employees see if they what what they're doing um, from a personal branding perspective, are they hugely engaged on LinkedIn? Uh, do they have an impressive LinkedIn profile, as in summary and fleshed-out experiences? Um, are they, you know, writing their own content? And then really starting to look at not just successful employees who might be working at that company, 
but maybe um, doing searches for people who have gone the extra mile and are starting to write about uh, their experience or their careers or the companies that they're working for, the particular niche as well. Because, you know, with with access now so easy to websites, uh, you know, starting your own website, whether it's WordPress or Squarespace, and then publishing tools like LinkedIn and Medium, um, no matter what area that you're in, uh, really understanding, you know, understanding that, that people will be writing about that on social media and people will be engaging in that kind of content. And the most impressive people out there are people that are doing this kind of thing. And so understanding what they're doing and how you might differentiate from them, uh, but also how you might differentiate from employees that are currently at the company that you're targeting is is hugely important and i think that people have to invest a bit of time into thinking about okay if i was going for this job what would what would really really impress uh the employer um over and above the competition and uh i mean we get it all the time with uh people with half-hearted applications versus the ones that have really put the time in and making sure that they rise to the bot, the you know the top of the shortlist. Uh, so, competitive set is really important to look at. I know that branding helps companies to reach their specific and measurable goals. But Mel, what would you recommend for people in the job market in terms of setting job search goals as they relate to their own personal brand? I think that you would have some kind of benchmark. So if you haven't worked on your personal brand, so, you know, your LinkedIn profile is a bit of a desolate wasteland, you know, there are tumbleweeds thrown through it uh, <laughs> and, and you're not getting any pickup and, uh, you know, your, your, your resume is pretty average. I mean, certainly make some kind of benchmark around um, the fact that uh, you've only had, I don't know, five job inquiries in one week. And then realizing that, you know, once you've uh, beefed up your LinkedIn profile, you know, put all the steps in that LinkedIn and, and, and experts like myself do around the profile photo and the headline and uh, fleshing out the summary and a personal branding statement and including lots of keywords and skills, um, thinking about sprucing up that resume, uh, maybe adding in, a, you know, starting your own website with your name on it that kind of sets your stall out what we do is we encourage people to have an initial benchmark and then uh, employ some personal branding strategies and and tactics and then 99 times out of 100 uh, they will see an uplift in uh, the amount of inquiries that come through you know the amount of profile views the amount of people you know pinging and clicking on 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 their their website or, you know, phone calls, et cetera. Um, it's just as far as the goals are concerned, uh, it's really important because a lot of what we do with people and with their personal brand is online and through digital media is a lot of it is eminently trackable. So you can make a benchmark of, you know, how many followers you have, how many profile views you've had up to a particular point, make the change, make the positive change, you, you know, to your personal brand, and then hopefully, more often than not, see those inquiries uh, leap up a little bit. 
Now, you've been referred to many, many times yourself as a gifted storyteller with the unique ability to mesmerize an audience. How can someone use storytelling in a job interview? Yeah, I think uh, that's very kind. That the, the lady that called me a gifted storyteller is, uh, is, is um, the global head of advertising solutions at Facebook, uh, Carolyn Everson. She's a very nice lady and very kind um, to call me that. Uh, when it comes to storytelling in, in, in job interviews, it's really, it's, it's really been having some concrete examples of, as I've said, uh, of not just what you've done, but thinking about how you've done it and the value that you brought and the effect, and uh, as we've talked about earlier, the impact that you've had with that business. And so you know, we, we encourage people. I mean, it's just like any story. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. And, and people love examples of uh, things that you've done that, you know, in, in many ways, normally I'm just thinking about how we interview people. You know, we'll be asking people um, questions around some of the projects that they've worked on. But often we'll, we'll ask them, give me an example of where a project failed you know what what happened did you rescue it and 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 what did you learn from it those kind of questions occasionally throw people because they haven't got some kind of preset examples of uh, some of the best things that they've done uh, but also some of the the things that maybe have tripped them up and i think a lot more companies these days are are looking for not just the great things in in your career and your experience but what else you've got to learn because at the end of the day none of us are perfect so really when it comes to that storytelling it's it's having a a, a set of examples of some really good things that, that that you've done but really again focusing on that beginning middle and, and end of you know what what was the issue what was the problem what was the project um how, how did you specifically impact uh, the result and what was the result and what did you learn from it so I always encourage people to have you know four or five different examples of some of the best things that they've done but also to be self-reflective and self-critical as well um, because nobody's perfect of some of the things that maybe haven't gone wrong just to demonstrate that uh, that you are human and vulnerable and occasionally things do go wrong but at least you've learned something from it and, uh, and and can bring that experience to that business or that company so other people can learn from you. Consistency is a word I often hear used in, in the context of branding. Why is consistency of one's personal brand so important in the job search process as well as in writing resumes and cover letters? Consistency, if we were talking from a company brand perspective would be, I mean, companies have brand books where they, you know, it's the logo, it's the right colors. We don't, we, we don't show the logo this way. We show it that way. Here is the messaging. We don't use these kind of words when we're talking about the company. We use these kind of words and things like that. And that's simply uh, in a way of reinforcing um, that brand and that experience and that brand promise across different touch points, whether it's TV or cinema or online or outdoor or in the newspaper or, um, you know, um, it's someone drops some direct mail through, through your letterbox. So 
if we take that consistency, I like to call it a motif um, as, as something that is a through line throughout everything that you do from a personal brand perspective. Throughout the job search process, it's, you know, wh- whether it's on your uh, resume or your covering letter that uh, you're using the the, the same kind of language um, that and, and the same kind of message, whether it's a personal branding statement or it's the way that you've um, positioned yourself or if your, your your resume that even things as you know in the weeds as your different experiences and the dates and the companies match your LinkedIn versus your resume and things like that. Having consistency along those lines is is important, uh, especially on how you kind of paint the picture about yourself, your experience and your value. But then uh, a lot of people, as I've said, you know, companies will go and look for your social media channels online. They will do some research. I've spoken to, you know, recruiters at companies like Starbucks who say, yeah, I mean, we'll look at, we'll look at your, uh, your LinkedIn and, and, and your recommendations, but of course you're going to put your best foot forward there. But what we'll do is we'll try and drill in and take a look at your other social channels to see whether you're a good fit for the company from, you know, not just can you do the job, but you know, culturally, things like that. Uh, and if there's a disconnect between your resume and your LinkedIn and what you might be posting on Twitter, then that's obviously going to be a, a big old red flag. And then, uh, even as you've said, the question around the job process when you show up at your interview, and if in your covering letter you're like, "I'm upbeat, I'm energetic, I'm a go-getter," and then you turn up to your interview and you're, you know, slumped in the seat and hungover and you know disheveled, that that's not going to be the kind of consistency and, and match up, and obviously going to be a red flag for any recruiter or potential employee. So it's important. To, to think about that through line, think about that motif. What is the thing, the brand promise that shows through on your resume, your letter, your social media, but then when you show up in, in person as well? Very, very important. Not all that long ago, job seekers would pick up the newspaper, open it to the classified section, peruse the job wanted ads, pick one out, and then initiate sending their resume, many by fax or even putting a postage stamp on an envelope. And today we talk about being discoverable. Why is it important in 2018 for any job seeker or aspiring career reinventor to have their expertise and experience be more discoverable? Discoverability is is key because so much of our lives now are run by algorithms, uh, whether it's <laughs> social media, whether it's search <laughs> engines, you know, the whole internet, even just you know, getting in the car and turning on ways to figure out how you're going to get to, to work, um, you know, with the least amount of uh, traffic and getting from A to B and with the whole uh, artificial intelligence and and Internet of Things and, you know, and Alexa and voice search and all this kind of stuff. It is all consuming, but it is, I mean, it's not even the future. The future is here when it comes to that kind of thing. So, I think there's two things going on is one technology has afforded us the opportunity 
to be discoverable if you know what you're doing. You know, search engine optimization, as I've said, um, you know, a lot of people now have their own website. They're not necessarily looking for a new job, but um, I don't know, designers, marketers, journalists, folks like that, they, they, you know, lawyers, they might have their own personal website, which kind of sets out their stall. And I think at the end of the day, it's more about the fact that people do tend to move jobs, you know, every couple of years now or, you know, every two to three years, whereas in the old days, you know, someone might stick at the same company uh, for a career. And I think companies have cottoned on to having a good pipeline of prospective candidates so that, uh, you know, they might not necessarily need them now, but maybe in a couple of years after they've um, worked at whatever job that they're doing that they might be right for, uh, for picking. And so even if you're super happy in the job that you are now uh, and the company that you are now, who knows what's going to happen further on down the line. And so using tactics like, having your LinkedIn profile tip-top, being engaged on on different social media platforms, going to networking events, writing some articles if you're if, if you've really, you know, got the time and the wherewithal to to help your uh, um, your wisdom and expertise be more discoverable through those kind of things. I mean, you you quoted a, a whole bunch of, you know, um, publications that I've featured in uh, and and that's all incoming. I've hardly pitched any of those big publications that I've been asked to comment on because people can find me. They'll search for personal branding consultant on Google and we'll rank number one and, and people will be clicking through and, and, and wanting to call on me for comment. I mean, I think that's how you guys found me. <laughs> um, so being discoverable, being discoverable is, is huge, whether you've got your own website, whether it's through LinkedIn, whether it's uh, the impression you make through your personal brand at a at a networking event. I mean, for me and my company, I've got probably five to ten people in mind that uh, as it grows that I would tap up to join the company as, as employees, and that's part of my pipeline. And it's it's a lot of it is because they've made themselves discoverable. They've got a uh, a virtual hand in the air saying, you know, I'm not, ready quite now but i might be interested at some point down the line so yeah we've moved on from uh from from fax machines and classified ads and and now it's i, I wouldn't say it's a wild west and a free-for-all but i i would turn that into a, a a positive in that there's just tremendous opportunities for people to network learn grow uh, in their careers more than ever before thanks to uh, the fact that there are these algorithms out here that if we tweak them and if we play the game, if they play their game right, that we can be more discoverable, shareable, and memorable. And speaking of being discoverable, rumor has it, Mel, that you once pursued an acting career and that you actually appeared in a Joe Cocker video alongside French cinema icon Catherine Deneuve way back in 1997. Is that rumor true? That rumor is true, Garrison. Um, I, I used to be an actor, and one day I got a phone call saying, have you heard of Joe Cocker? And I went, of course I've heard of Joe Cocker. You know, Woodstock, etc. And uh, they said, can you drum? 
and I lied and I said, yes, I can drum. I'm a very good <laughs> air drummer. And two days later, I was on a on a on a film set in Paris playing the young Joe Cocker in a video called Nublier Jamais, which means never forget. And it was in 1997. We filmed it in August, and it was a huge hit all over Europe. And that was 20 years ago. And Catherine Deneuve was there, who's very famous. And I've just worked out actually. <laughs> It took me 20 years to to figure it out. But the only reason why uh, the song didn't go to number one across Europe was because that was, it was launched, the single was launched the same month that uh, Princess Diana died. And so Elton John's Candle at the Wind um, kept our song off off number one. But we don't mind that because we love Princess Diana. I have my own copy of your wonderful book, Introduction to Personal Branding, 10 Steps Toward a New Professional You. And it is packed with terrific information. And most conveniently, it fits in a shirt pocket so you can bring it around with you and read it whenever you have a moment. Where can listeners purchase your book? And also, where can they connect with you on the internet and social media? Uh, that's very kind of you to say about the book. Yeah, it was designed as very much an introduction. It should take less than an hour to read and listen to, actually. So people can find it on Amazon.com. If they just search for me or Introduction to Personal Branding, I think if you search person talk of discoverability, if you search for personal branding on on uh, Amazon, it comes up the, as the it does. first book. It's on there and a physical copy on Kindle and Audible. If you're not bored of my English accent, um, <laughs> I actually narrated the book myself, and I think it only takes 54 minutes to to listen to. So yeah, go and take a look at that. It's had 75 reviews, mostly mostly good. Some people uh, felt that it was a bit short, but I have reminded them it is an introduction uh, and we will be doing a follow-up. <laughs> and as far as social media is concerned, you know, I'm on Twitter, Mel Carson, I'm on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. So just do a search for Mel Carson and my company is obviously called Delightful Communications and we've got social media channels as well. So I look forward to connecting with anyone and... Uh, I really, really appreciate the time uh, talking to you, Garrison. Some really great questions there that I hope that I've answered uh, well and inspirationally for your listeners. I want to thank you for being a very special guest, Mel, on Design You.